So this is hammered out of one piece, but this speaks about the character of God. So God has to begin with ore, because we're only just dust. We've just been mined from this earth, you know. And then God has to put something in us. So under the new covenant, he takes away the heart of stone. He gives us the heart of flesh. He puts these laws in our mind. He writes these laws upon our heart. He puts a new spirit within us. Then he puts his spirit within us. And then he begins to cause us to walk in his ways. Then he says that you'll not have need of every man to teach his neighbor and teach his companion saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, they shall all be taught of God. So when we come through these experiences and, and become a full participant in the new covenant, we see that there's a, a provision made for God to speak and minister and teach each one. That's why Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They don't follow the voice of a stranger. They know my voice and they follow my voice. That's for every child of God. That's not, he didn't say, my pastors hear my voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So we wonder, why aren't the sheep hearing his voice? See? The reason is, God speaks from the showbread. And when we do these, these uh, names of the showbread, it'll open up and we'll see why God speaks from there. But when we get here and we see who Jesus is, we say, we're just unrefined ore. Now God has to put us in a pot. He has to bring up the temperature so that the dirt that is there is removed. So he brings up the temperature and a little bit of gold melts. And then he scrapes off the dross and throws it away. Then he raises the temperature again. More dross comes to the top. He scrapes it off and throws it away. And they raise the temperature seven times until the last time he scrapes it, there's no more dross. And he looks in the gold, and when the goldsmith sees his face, he says the gold is done. That's called a pure gold in the Bible. Now this is hammered out of pure gold. So before we can have a lampstand church, we have to have gold. And so 1 Peter speaks about how he gets that gold. It's like gold tried by, we're like gold tried by the fire, he said. So God puts us in fiery trials. And in the fiery trials, he reveals what the dross, what the dirt part is. Because all of us, are partly flesh and partly spirit because we are still fleshly men whom God has put a new spirit in and then put his spirit in. Then God has to remove the, the dross, the fleshly part, in order to get us to function in the spiritual part. In James, we see there are two fountains coming out of one source, it seems. But he says that cannot be. You can't have sweet water and bitter coming out of the same fountain. So there has to be two fountains. He says, out of one fountain, we bless God. Out of the other fountain, we curse men. So we see that there are certain things in us that will not permit us to function in the holy place. 
And so God raises up the fire and he reveals these things to us. Now man is helpless to get rid of these things. And so as man cries out to God, God changes him. He begins to deal with the fleshly aspect and he begins to put in more in the spiritual realm so that man begins to function more in the spirit than he does in the flesh. And this is how he gets the gold for the lampstand. Then it says it's hammered. It's not molded. It's hammered out of one piece. So in order to get the, the lampstand to come together and be one, there has to be a lot of skillful hammering. When you read the different verses, there are many, many verses about the lampstand. But when you read all the verses and you see how it was, could be made, because it's not, they don't give details. The lampstand is so complicated that no man could make one. But thank God we don't have to. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. So he knows how to do it. But when men set out to build a lampstand, they say, what we need is a mold. And then, once we get the mold, we can make many. See? We can make many men, they all look alike. Because we've got a mold. But God has not designed the church to be a mold. It's hammered out of one piece. See, every time there has been a revival in church history... People want to go back and build a lampstand after the first church, right? Everybody wants to go back and stir that up and say, okay, this was the real thing. Now let's build one like that. Okay, what does it need? Well, it has to have apostles and prophets and pastors, teachers and evangelists. They sold everything, gave it to the poor. They all lived in commune. And so let's, let's do that. And that's happened innumerable times, even since the Reformation. The, the, the monastic orders saw that there, you just sold everything and lived, lived by faith, you know, lived like the birds. So people go back to the original and they say, okay, we know how to build a lampstand. We, we can sit in the scriptures, so let us build one with this mold. But God shows us that the lampstand is not molded. The lampstand is hammered out of one piece of gold. He gets a sheet of gold. And then he gives special instruction to Bezalel to know how to hammer that. But he never gave us that revelation. Because he's not building this kind of a lampstand. He's building the lampstand. The real one, which is the functioning church. Now once the lampstand is built, and everything, all these pieces are are in place. All these almond blossoms and all that is so complicated you can't even figure out how to draw one. Because I've tried. This is, a, this is an effort that somebody made. But, you know, we don't have any photographs of the original one. So we, somebody has to guess at what it looks like. So if God doesn't give us details, it means that he's going to show us an application from it, from the whole thing, not from this not from this blossom, that blossom, this ring, and that ring, and this. All these things, we don't have revelation on. We don't know what they mean. But we know what the lampstand means. The lampstand is the church. 
Now, in Revelation 3, he says that if you don't repent, in Revelation 2, he says, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Now, Jesus revealed himself as the one who walks amongst the lampstands, he says, and I know. I'm the one who walks among the lampstand, and I know. He knows everything that goes on in the lampstand. Nothing escapes his notice. So he knew what was happening in that church. And he says, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove the lampstand out of its place. If he did that, what would happen? This whole holy place life and ministry would go into darkness, wouldn't it? See, in chapter 2, he wrote this to the church at Ephesus. If you go to Ephesus today, you won't find one Christian church. Not one. That's in Turkey. That's all Muslim. And they don't permit a Christian church there. So he said, I'm going to remove the lampstand out of his place. When the lampstand is removed, everything in here goes into darkness. Now somewhere around the 6th century, the church went into darkness. And for nearly a thousand years, we called the Dark Ages because there was no revelation. The church was practicing all kinds of abominations because they didn't have light. The, the lampstand was not burning. And so, this, this aspect of ministry didn't exist. And so people were doing things and speaking things about the cross and water baptism and things like that. But they had no revelation. And the priesthood didn't function here before it functioned here. See, in 2 Chronicles 29, he says what the priesthood is. It's to stand before God, minister to God, burn incense, and be his minister. So there's four aspects of the ministry. One is to stand before God, to minister to God, to burn incense, and then to be his minister. But you still have to find out something from God before you can go out and say, thus saith the Lord. See? The problem we see with all this prophetic thing is people standing around here saying, thus saith the Lord. They haven't heard anything. They haven't got any revelation from the showbread. They haven't even offered up the incense. But they come out and say, yay, yay. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> right? <laughs> see? That's not, I'm not talking about the gift. I'm talking about the ministry of the prophet. The gift operates because of the anointing. But the ministry operates because of the showbread. You everybody understand that? The difference between the gift of prophecy and the, okay, and the ministry of the prophet. 
So now on this lampstand are seven cups. They're not a part of the lampstand. They're not hammered out of one piece. They are separate from the lampstand. And these seven cups in number were filled with a spatial oil, clear, pure oil that didn't smoke. And they had a wick that went down in the oil. And then twice a, twice a day in the morning and evening, they cut the wick, they trimmed it, and they relit it one at a time. So there was always light in there. Now some translations say that it's the candlestick. The Spanish Bible says the candelabra. But it's not a candlestick. It did not burn candles. It burned oil. As a candle, if you put a candle on there and it burnt down, you just threw it away and put another one on, right? But that's not how this worked. That's how the church thinks it works. See? We hire a pastor. We burn him out. He's like a candle. We burn him down to throw him away and go hire another one, right? <laughs> and then we get seven, seven of them in a row, you know. But that's not what God's design for the holy place is. The design is that it burns the oil. The wick, then is the source that makes the flame. But then it gets charred. So it has to be cut morning and evening. They had to trim the lights and, and fill them with oil. So we see that, that the lampstand has to have a, a fresh source of oil all the time. Mm -hmm. Now when you see the ten virgins in chapter 25 of Matthew... They all had lamps. They all had wicks. They all had oil. But five unwise ones didn't have enough oil. They didn't keep a fresh supply to fill it, and their lamps went out. In Eli's time, Eli's sons were more interested in the sacrifices and the women who came to the, the tent here than they were in the lampstand. And they let the lampstand go out. And this area went into darkness. And in, when it speaks about Eli and his sons, it says, and there was no revelation during those times. There was no light in those times. There was no vision, it says, in the King James. There was no vision in those times. Because the lampstand had gone out. The thing is that even though the lampstand had gone out, this was in darkness, they kept having church. They kept having sacrifices and everything. And the people out here had no idea that there was no light. There was no revelation. They were just continuing to do what they used to do. Then you remember as soon as the lampstand went out, the, the enemy attacked. And then they came and took the Ark of the Covenant, went out and meet the enemy... And they got defeated, and the enemy took the Ark of the Covenant. So, not only didn't they have lamp, they didn't have an Ark. They didn't have the presence of God. And yet, the tabernacle of Shiloh continued to function like it did before. See? 
because the people out here that were bringing their sacrifices had no idea that this was all dead. There was nothing there anymore. So as we, as we study these seven lamps, they're called the seven flames of fire, which stand by the, before the Lord of the whole earth. And then he says, these are the seven eyes of the Lord, which are the seven spirits of God, which roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. So the revelation of these seven flames of fire is that they are the seven spirits of God. But they don't just sit around on the floor of the tabernacle. They have to be mounted on the lampstand before they function. And it's through these seven spirits of God that we get the revelations from the showbread. Now the interesting part about the lampstand is where it gets its oil. Because we have a New Testament revelation of the lampstand and where the oil comes from. So in Zechariah, this is very, very interesting uh, idea about this tabernacle. In Zechariah, the fourth chapter, <clears throat> Zechariah 4, We'll have to read probably the whole chapter in order to get the context. But in Zechariah 4, he said, Then the angel who was speaking to me returned and roused me as a man who was wakened from his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, and its bowl on the top of it, and its seven lamps on it, with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. Also two olive trees by it. One on the right side of the bowl and the other on its left side. Then I answered and said to the angel who was speaking with me, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you become a plain. And he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Also the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it. Then you will know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? But these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees? On the right of the lampstand and on its left. And I answered the second time and said to him, What are the two olive trees? Or two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes, which empty the golden oil from themselves. So he answered me saying, Do you not know what these are? He said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones 
who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. So he had to ask the angel three times, what are these? And the angel's kind of amazed that he doesn't know. And so he gives the first answer, a clue, help him understand what they are. He said, well, it's not by power, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. That should be the revelation. Now he should be able to understand who these two olive trees are. But he said, I still don't understand what the two olive trees are. And then he said, who has despised this day of small things? But these seven, these seven flames of fire, these seven lamps, will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord which range to and fro throughout the earth. Now he gives them real clear clue. Now he'll know who it is, right? Then he said, I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? He said, you mean you still don't know? And I answered the second time and said to him, what are the two olive branches which are beside the two golden pipes which emptied the golden oil from themselves into the gold lampstand? So he answered and said to me, do you know not know what these are? He said, no, my Lord. He said, these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. So we see the source of this golden oil, which is flowing from these two olive trees, which are the two anointed ones, which one of them is called the top stone, with cries of grace, grace to it. Then he says, these seven will be glad when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Because these seven are the seven eyes of the Lord who roam to and fro throughout the earth. Now you know who they are? No. Okay. These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now if you read the commentaries, you'll see that these are called the two witnesses in the Revelation and so forth, which cannot be. Because these two witnesses don't stand by the lampstand pouring golden oil from themselves to fuel the golden lampstand throughout the church age. Impossible. So then who are these two anointed ones who are olive trees standing on each side of the lampstand with golden pipes flowing from themselves into the lampstand, flowing the golden oil from themselves into the lampstand to fuel the lampstand for the whole church age. Who are these two anointed ones? Can only be the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. There is no other two if you search the whole Bible, you'll never find any two who is able to pour the golden oil from themselves into the golden lampstand and fuel it with that golden oil for the church age. Impossible. So they are the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now the objection to the Spirit of Christ is, they say, the Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. 
But if you pick up a study on the Spirit of Christ, you'll see that there's two different functions. When you are born again here, the Spirit of Christ comes into you. Or we say, you must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. As many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. So we say, well, that cannot be because Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, right? So how can he be at the right hand of God and be in me? Is he there or here? Jesus is there. The Spirit of Christ is here. And the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit by which we are born again. It's the Spirit by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Then he sends, he puts a new Spirit within us, the Spirit of Christ. Then he puts his Spirit within us, which is the Holy Spirit. See? And so these two anointed ones stand by the Lord of the whole earth, the seven eyes of God. And they flow the golden oil from themselves into the golden lampstand to fuel it. So we, we see now that, that the fuel is coming from the Spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit. But there are wicks in here. And these wicks are constantly being trimmed. If man has a part in the ministry of illumination... You can't find any place where he can function except in the wick. Because the, the lamps are not, they're not a part of the lampstand. They set on the lampstand. The golden oil flows into those lamps. If there is a ministry, it would just be a wick. <laughs> that would be the most. And that has to be trimmed all the time to keep it from smoking. I'm not sure where man fits into it. But if I was going to choose a place for a, a ministry to function, to illuminate in there, to help or to, to minister in there, it would have to be the wick. I can't find any other place. The wick has come from this world, rather. So, anyway, however that is, I don't know. But I know that these same seven flames of fire are the seven spirits of God which are the seven eyes of the Lord, which roam to and fro throughout the whole earth. If you want, you can pick up a study on the seven spirits of God, and you'll see how that functions. We're not trying to do a lot of details here. What we want to do is do a little bit on each one of these pieces of furniture so we'll understand what the next move of God must be if the church is going to fulfill the purpose of God. Now, this illuminates the showbread. Or the flames of fire here is the source of illumination for the holy place. So we wonder, is this lampstand functioning? Has God gathered up enough gold to make one? Can this lampstand be partly in heaven and partly... There's hundreds of questions about the lampstand you can't answer. Just the construction of it is so complicated you can't figure it out. 
Therefore, we have to take it as a unit. If you start asking questions about where is it, who's this, you can't answer them. There's no, there's no answer in, in the Bible that I could find of who it is and everything. We just know that it's the church, that it has certain characteristics to it, and it holds the seven spirits of God. It says that the seven spirits of God are standing before the throne of God. And it says that the throne of, from the throne of God runs the river of life. So we understand that in the consecration offering, God has to build into us his throne. This is where he dwells, right in here. That's individual. But if we had 250 or 500, however many fit in here, if we had that many that had the throne of God in their life, that the fire of God had worked in their life and made pure gold, then, and there was a throne in every one here, then we would have a corporate lampstand, wouldn't we? But over church history, you find a person here, a person there, a person... In each generation, there's somebody that is getting revelation from God. See? There's never, God's never had a time when somebody didn't get revelation from God. It may have been shallow, but there was some revelation. It just wasn't natural light here. So we see that this, this flame of fire, or the seven spirits of God, will illuminate within a man if he has the throne in there. So if the throne of God is there, the seven spirits of God are before the throne of God. And through those seven spirits of God, they might call it a gift, or grace, whatever you want to call it, but there is a revelation comes. But it's not complete unless it comes from a whole lampstand. You understand the difference? God has given tremendous revelations to certain people. Uh, Watchman Nee was a man who got revelation. He had tremendous revelation. William Law uh, in England during the, before the Puritan thing. That guy got revelation. I love to read the old books. Uh, what he was seeing for the time period he was living was tremendous. And uh, just... Tozer, and there's so many of them that were getting revelations from God. And when you read their books, you know it was coming from the throne of God. And I've seen in there that before the throne of God is the seven spirits of God. So I know there's illumination. And that's where the revelation comes from. It has to come from the seven spirits of God. When we look at the lampstand and we see its relationship to the showbread, he says, as you shall construct the lampstand in a certain way according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain, and it is to illuminate everything in front of it. Now, when you read the commentaries or other things, you'll see that they'll say, the lampstand is a picture of Jesus, and he is the light of the world. Right? I say, that can't be. Because nobody saw that lampstand. And when they was going to move the lampstand, 
they took the, they, uh, took the lamps of uh, fire off. Then they covered it all with the blue cloth. Then they took badger skins or whatever this covering was here, and they covered it and covered it. Then they put the poles in it, and when they, when they carried the thing from one location to another, nobody saw it. It wasn't even burning. <laughs> so you can't say the lampstand is a picture of Jesus who is the light of the world. So many of these interpretations don't fit the facts. He says that this lampstand here, we just read it, is to illuminate everything in front of it. This doesn't light the whole world. This illuminates that which is in front of it. So what is in front of it? The showbread and the altar of incense. Then the illuminations for these two ministries is coming from the seven spirits of God. 